Welcome to Second Win, the podcast where we uncover the stories, methods, and modalities of women and men who have found their purpose while walking this earth. Sometimes they found their second win by accident, sometimes by hardship, and sometimes by intent. There is always something to learn from others and really isn't finding our own purpose what we are all looking for. I know I am. And that's why I'm hosting this very podcast. My name is Wendy Charles McGuire. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Second wind. This is interesting. This fabulous person came into my radar for our interview today and actually doesn't live very far away. So if our digital stuff didn't work, we were just going to go meet in person at the restaurant, but it worked. So here we are. So please welcome me in meeting John Scott Leeward. John has a remarkable pre-second wind of his life, which includes an extensive background in both television and movies, both on screen and behind the scenes. All this while embarking on some very successful entrepreneurial ventures. And then at some point, John chose to put all that glitz and glamour off to the side to really pursue what has been tugging at his heartstrings all of his life. John, at age 68, decided it was time to really listen to what he believes his purpose is and discovered and honed in on the six universal human needs that significantly rule over how we as humans show up in the world, not only for ourselves, but for others. So welcome, John Leeward. Hey, Wendy. Hello, hello. (laughs) You found me. (laughs) I found you. But it's weird how I find people. It's not like I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of people. And then for some reason, something just pops up, right? Or in my feed somewhere. And it's just like, and many people I've had on the podcast say that's how they found their second wind was all of a sudden this thing popped up or they're standing in a grocery line in this article shows or just crazy things like that. So tell us, John, a little bit about that moment when you said, I'm going to give up that life of, of movies and television. All those 18-hour days, it's it's not the glamour that you think it is. It's hard work and lots of it. But I did like it. I did like the camaraderie. I did enjoy being around the people that were creative, that were actors. And I kind of, I came from that arena of when I did my first movie. I was out in Los Angeles. I had done my first movie. And my sister was on the film. She was going to the University of Miami. She was taking a makeup course and she was already a hairstylist. And we both got a job on this movie. A friend of mine invited me. She said, I'm going to Florida to work on this film. And I was doing a play in Virginia because I grew up in Florida. I grew up in Miami and was living in Virginia, had gone to high school there. And I was interested in acting and I was doing plays, college plays. And I had just finished one. And she says, meet me at this restaurant at Bob's Big Boy and, and in Virginia. And we, we, had, <laughs> we, had, we had breakfast there. And she says, she says, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. I'm going to Florida. I said, you're going to Florida? I said, you know, I grew up there. She goes, yeah, I'm working on this movie. She was an editor. And uh, she got a job as a production assistant. And I said, God, I'd love to go with you. And she says, why don't you? How old were you at this point? I was probably 23. And I was working as a carpenter. I had 
gotten out of the military and I was a dental tech in the United States Coast Guard for four years. And so I hated it. And I was working for this Korean guy, nothing wrong with Korean people, but it was fluorescent lights and people that were working on crowns and bridges and stuff that I did in the, in the military. And uh, I just went, I can't do this. And so I started working as a carpenter. And so I had a working with a couple of guys and we were building decks and siding houses. And there was a big construction boom in Northern Virginia. And anyway, I had just done this and she goes, I'm leaving for Florida. I said, God, I'd love to go with you. And she says, why don't you? I hate to drive alone. So I, we drove down there. She said, I can't promise you anything. I showed up at the production office. It was pre-production and met one of these special effects guys there. And they said, we need people. He says, do you have any construction? I said, you know, experience. I said, yeah. And so we, I started working as a carpenter there about three weeks later. The guy says, my construction coordinator quit. This is my first movie. He says, you want to, I said, I'll double your salary. I said, really? I said, okay. I says, you know, I, this is my first movie. And he goes, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. And I got a job. Now you can save yourself. I, well, I guess I don't need to go back to Virginia. Exactly. At least for a little while. Yeah. So that kind of started this interesting career that I really wanted to get involved with. And I got on the movie and I um, gave the director, I said, Hey, listen, if you, if you have any uh, parts, small parts or whatever, I know you're pretty, pretty well crewed up. And he kind of looked at me and he, I gave him my headshot and he goes, you know what? I think I have a part for you. And it turned out to be, I got my SAG card. It was just a few lines and it was interesting. It really kind of got me going into my passion of acting. And I went out to Los Angeles and I spent three years out there studying acting with, at the James Best Theater Center. And throughout my career, I, I would get these small parts and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the industry. And during that time, I wanted to figure myself out. There were some parts of me that I liked. I was friendly with people, but I was a little bit shy and reserved, and I couldn't figure that out. So I started studying human behavior, and I wanted to see what was the pivot point or the key that involves human behavior and how to eliminate the things that I didn't like about myself. And so I started studying human behavior and I, I got certified as a NLP master practitioner, neuro-linguistic programming that was started in the 70s by John Grinder and his partner. And they were psychologists and they really took human behavior to a different level. And that was something that I enjoyed and kind of kept in my back pocket and then continued with the film and television industry up until about three years ago, four years ago. And so I'm now starting my second wind. And with all the courses that I took over the years, I am really looking forward to what I've been doing for a long time, working with friends and family and clients 
but now I'm taking off and I'm going to pursue it full time with doing what we're doing now, doing podcasts with my clients so they can save it, private podcasts. We might release, you know, the, the, the good ones with their permission. But yeah, and it's been a great run and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it, looking forward. I think it's the excitement. It's the uncertainty that is enjoyable. It's kind of like when you go to an amusement park and you want to ride that roller coaster and it looks scary and you go, do I really want to do this? And you say, hell with it. Why ditch? As the as line creeps up. Exactly. Yeah. You don't know if you want to stay in line or not. Yeah. I have a question for you, John. It's interesting to me, like you and I had the same idea. So I was really shy growing up too. And painfully so. And then at some point I just decided I didn't want to be that person anymore. And I decided I was just going to say hi to everybody. And I was going to try out for things and go do things. But I didn't read any books or anything. I probably should have. Yeah. But I didn't at that point. I'm doing it all now. <laughs> at your young age, when you were like a teenager, you said you started reading and looking into this stuff. What did that for you? Just your own shyness like mine? Or were you like looking around at people like I was saying, well, I, what's so special about her? that I can't be like her. You know, why can't I do that? Yeah, I think so. I, and I think that when you look at other people, when you're in junior high and high school, that's when you really start noticing yourself and in yeah. groups of people. And, you know, you notice what's working, what isn't. I, I noticed that my shyness was getting in, in the way. And so I started reading books, different ones, and started working on myself. And eliminating the behaviors that weren't serving me, which was shyness. And, and that's when I started getting into human behavior. And I discovered Tony Robbins, his tapes. And then I started crewing for Tony. And I started traveling all over the country. And you're placed into situations where there is no room for shyness. There is no room to sit action. You're doing 14, 15, 16 hour days and fire walks and all this stuff. And it was a great learning ground for change. Now, here's a question because a lot, a lot of people might be saying like, we already went over this in all my notes. However, most people who are listening to Tony Robbins and stuff, well, now he has the course, right? You can take the courses and get certified and all this stuff. But back then, not so much. How do you go from reading to working with him? When you are kind of a shy guy anyway, like, how does that even happen? How do you get into acting? How do these things happen? Like, what is that about you that made that happen? I don't know. I think I understood the value of proximity. In other words, where you place yourself. Shyness has nothing to do with making decisions, like meeting my friend at a restaurant and she's going to Florida to work on a film. And I say, God, I'd love to go with you. And, and then I, I do. I didn't even call in into work to quit. I just packed a suitcase and left and took a chance. And I had no idea, but it opened up a complete new life for, for myself. Was was pretty interesting. How did you even get up with Tony Robbins? 
Do you remember? I went to one of his seminars because I, I listened to a lot of his tapes and they were starting to work for me. And I was seeing the change. And then I went to one of his UPWs, Unleash the Power Within. Where was that? I can't remember where the first one was, maybe Orlando or something like that. And then I went through his three-day, four-day program and talking to the crew members. And I said, well, how do I become a crew member? I, you know, how do you do that? And they said, oh, if you want to sign up to be in a crew member, we'll put you on the list and you can look at our schedule. We'll start sending you the events and you have to pay for your own travel. You got to pay for your own and you're not going to be paid to be there, but you're going to be in this amazing group of people. And I did that for several years. And then I met a gentleman who taught NLP and he says, I've got a class starting up and he says, you know, I'll give you a break on the price. It wasn't cheap. It was like seven or $8,000. And I, he gave me a break on the price and I got into a program NLP and it was, I think six or seven days of intense, you know, the class. And I just started doing that. And so I kept all these these human behavior classes and the change that I went through. And I said, you know, I still like what I'm doing, but maybe one day I'll start coaching. And it, then I lost a lot of weight. I lost 40 pounds. I went through this transition because of all these learnings that I was exposed to. And people would come up to me, John, how did you lose 40 pounds? How did you do that? And then that's when I started coaching people. And I noticed because I wasn't pursuing them, they were looking at me and they say, you look more confident now. Why is that? What are you doing? Isn't that interesting? That happened to Damien, who's been on the podcast. He had a heartbreak. He just wasn't a good place in life. And he went into the military and his one of his chief guys, sergeants, somebody took him and said, let's go to the gym. You need the gym. And then he just he was in the back of the gym mm. where no one can see him until he started feeling himself, got himself out into the front of the gym. And that's exactly when that whole yeah. seed got planted about uh, people are asking yeah. me. That's a very powerful process. When you become an example, how do you do that? But when you become an example and people start, start asking you, how did you lose 40 pounds? I remember... John, I remember you a couple of years ago. I did that in 38 days. I lost 40 pounds in 38 days. And it was healthy because I was drinking tons of water. I got involved with a gentleman, Dr. Robert Young, and, and there was a whole process that I went through. Oh, look at that. The pH miracle. That's, <laughs> that's Dr. Young. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's interesting, though, is all along you getting into acting, you deciding you were going to read books and get make yourself what you wanted to be. That goes into your whole philosophy of how you came into the coaching that you're doing today. It is. Right? And why humans do what we do and why we stay stuck and these behaviors, these things. And so maybe we should jump into that because it's a good segue, actually. That's why. Absolutely. Yeah. So you decided, it, I mean, it's scary too. You were telling me in not so many words, but we got to that conclusion that hanging out your own shingle and having to rely on yourself to do it all is 
is in itself the second win. Absolutely. It really is. And I think when you're working with people and you see results and it's empowering for me to help others because I went through the pains of just growth. And when people started coming to me and say, how'd you do it? And it was very easy. It wasn't like I had to get all my notes together. I just told them what I did and that, hey, listen, this is what I did. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, if you want to, I'll show you how I did it. And I gave them the whole rundown of, of my plan and, and uh, you know, my eating habits and drinking tons of water. And I never really exercised at that point either. I was, you know, I, I was working my butt off, but in the film industry, but everything just fell off. Once I alkalized my system, the weight started dropping just crazy. It was mm -hmm. like, what's going yeah. on? And when uh, Dr. Young was saying that your body holds on to fat when you're eating a lot of acidic foods, what happens internally on a cellular level that your, your cells are in an acid environment and they'll reach out and they'll grab onto fuels of fat when you're acidic and you retain fat. When you alkalize, the fat just says, okay, I'm alkalized, I'm in an alkaline environment and it will start shedding fat. It's crazy. And it worked. It worked for me. And I've kept it off for 23 years. I got a 30 inch waist and I'm 130 pounds. Oh, I think <laughs> you weigh less than me. <laughs> but maybe not for a long Anyway, anyway, anyway. Yeah, that's incredible. So, and, and that's interesting too, that brings up that, you know, you're giving your advice away for free. And now when you start to monetize, that to me is when it gets scary, right? When you're like, okay, and I don't know if it's a worthiness thing or I don't know, but let's talk about what you have developed to be your spiel for your coaching. Because to me, in reading all the stuff you sent me, it's spot on and it's a no nonsense approach and it's, it's really good. Yeah, what I do for my clients, you can go to my website, which is coachjohn.training. And I do a, a, a complete hour of a discovery session because there's a lot of people that they might not be in a good place or they might be in a relationship that they're trying to get out of or they just want to feel better about who they are. Maybe they want to make some changes in you know, many different areas. Everybody's got their own thing. And then in this discovery session, what I do is I go through the six human needs and there's a test and anybody can go to the site and download the six human needs. And also there's a, a questionnaire that you can go through. It's, I think, 84 questions, 82 questions, and it takes about 15 minutes to take the test and see where you are and give me a call and we can talk about what kind of change do you want to make? And we'll go through a program. And I love, I love seeing people get through and achieve the goals and dreams that they desire because they deserve it. So, yeah. And that is really the reward is when I watched, there was a friend of mine, he was asking me about weight loss 
And I told him my whole spiel. And he says, this is what I did. And he wrote it all down. And he's maintained, he lost about close to 50 pounds. And he's mm -hmm. doing great. He's doing really good. And he's kept it off. When you lose weight or make a change and you feel better, that's, that's the winning prize. That's, that's the golden ring that, you know, that you carry with you when you start feeling better and you notice change and, and, and you're happier about the things and about the decisions that seemed hard at the time. But when you make them, you go, God, why didn't I just do that? What was holding me back? Why was I stuck? How did I get stuck? The stuck. And that's why, that's one of the ways that you decided you needed to investigate, learn about, and help people get over their own hurdles. So what, what are these six pillars, these six universal human needs? Well, and these are universal for everybody, which is that right. we all need to have, which is certainty, uncertainty slash variety, significance, love and connection, and the hierarchy of the last two, which is growth and contribution. So, you know, we all need to, to have certainty in our life, to know that we have certainty as far as, you know, maybe our work having certainty in relationships, having certainty about where we live, a roof over our heads, just basic things. What I do is I explore and I'll go through maybe certainty and uncertainty, you know, uh, about maybe for, for a whole hour, instead of going through them quickly, we'll just work on one. It's like, what do you need to feel certain? What part of your life do you need to feel certain about? Whether it's feeling loved. How do you feel loved? What does it take for you to feel loved? And a lot of times your partner, we can discuss that and says, how does he give you love? Well, I haven't really told him what it is. Really? Well, maybe because we don't really know what it is. How many times does that happen? That's true. Right? When we're, when we really sit down and ask the question, what makes you happy? That happened to me the other day. And I was like, uh, I'm like, I'm doing the podcast. My animals, right? But it's one of those things. And you said that being stuck and having problems is a sign of life. That's true. And great leaders are problem solvers. Yeah. And they're here to sculpt our soul. I loved when you said that, that problems are here to sculpt our soul. So what does that mean to you? Because somebody who's not going to call you who thinks they got their shiznig together, yeah. honestly, right? You're going to get people that obviously have come upon something or have had an incident or a trauma or something, but we all have problems that are sculpting our well, soul. Well, that's true. I mean, and, and it's all how you look at it as well, how you frame it in your life. Everybody life is, it's going to give you problems and how you, how you deal with it. We get what we are willing to tolerate. We get our, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. that's a big statement. We get what we are willing to tolerate. What does that mean? In other words, we get what we're willing to tolerate versus what we really want. 
In other words, we can, uh, we can tolerate a situation or a relationship or a car that's not running, you know, the best. And we'll just put up with things and we won't yeah. maybe confront a partner or a partner in business and we'll tolerate things that just aren't working and it bugs you. And you feel that if you confront somebody that it's going to be a loss, like a, a loss of a mm -hmm. job or how about if you just said, hey, listen, something's been bothering me for a long time. Can we have a talk? Sometimes it's just breaking the ice and taking that chance and um, laying it out and saying, you know, when I come in late, you know, I got three kids and I'm a single parent and I got to get all these kids to school, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I'm going to be late. I'm not going to make a habit of it, but sometimes life happens. And your boss might yeah. say, geez, you know, I really didn't know that. I had no idea that you were a single parent and you had to deal with all these kids and feed them breakfast and all this stuff, drive them to school and come to work and figure out who's going to pick them up at the end. of Whatever, whatever it may be. It's that life can be, you know, we get what, we what we're willing to tolerate versus what we really want or, you know, what we deserve and what we, what need. we need. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go through the pillars real fast because I think that's really important. And when we went through it, I thought it was, okay. it was helpful. Definitely. So the six, I just told you already, the certainty, uncertainty, and variety significance, love and connection, growth and contribution. We'll go through them pretty quick. So certainty, we can talk about being safe. Some of the, the, the top keys are being safe in your place where you live, secure of everything, you're in control, you're taken care of. That's, you know, having certainty in your life that you want to, you want to be safe. You want to have a you know, a stable relationship, you're secure, you have a certain amount of control in your life. I mean, for you, what gives you certainty in your life? Uh, I guess I always have my, my home and my animals and yeah. pets that love me. That's great. Yeah. And they need. I love yeah. my animals as well. <laughs> and, you know, I like the fact that I have a nice house. And, you know, my vehicles are all running and in good condition. That gives me certainty. What else? Health. I think, you know, you think about your health a lot. And that is something. Uncertainty and variety. They can switch places. The um, having excitement in your life. And having uh, some uncertainty is having spontaneity in your life. You know, maybe uh, your significant other takes you somewhere or, hey, let's go do this. Let's take a drive and go to the river or go to the beach or do something spontaneously. The uncertainty of that and having variety, having certain things in your life that there's variety, maybe going to a club or going to a show lots of variety you know it's it's creative it's free flowing the other thing about um significance 
everybody needs to feel significant. Everybody does. Little kids, mom and dad, and they want to feel important. And they want to feel that they're loved, there's warmth, there's a feeling of belonging. And that's, that's where love and connection comes in with your animals, your family, your significant other. Everybody wants to feel significant. That's a big word, John, significance. Like I would, I would imagine that that's probably a root cause of a lot of, at least women hmm. I'm aware of, that I obviously know about, that where their sticking point is, is feeling hmm. significant and worthy and not just part of the landscape, but they're a significant part yeah, of that landscape. Exactly. Right? That's why the second wind is so important. It is. And also there's the dark side of significance and, and that comes out with negative behavior in children. You're seeing it all over the news nowadays. People get significance. I mean, if you put a gun in somebody's hand, they're going to be significant right from the get-go. That's a very good point with all the crap that's happening right now. You're absolutely right. It's somebody wanting to be significant even at the cost of their own life. That is so true. So we have to consider how people are getting significant, maybe in, in uh, their behavior. You can just go through, you know, probably think of friends or family members that, that get significance in, in different ways. But it's yeah. also that you can get identified those ways that significance is working in people's lives and either point them out if they're family members and say, hey, listen, we love you. You don't have to behave that way. You don't have to jump off the roof and try to jump into the pool or some stupid thing like that. I mean, there's all different kind of ways people have get tattoos on their face and they get 25 earrings in their ears. And just, they want to be noticed. They want significance. Significance. Ah, it's huge. I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah. Okay. All right. What's next? Love and connection. Everybody wants to have mm. love and connection. And we yearn for that. Passion, being passionate, being loved. And there's rules. People have a lot of rules. I deep dive into our personal rules. No, in other words, what does it take to feel loved? Mm. For a lot of people, you know what I really want? I want you to look in my eyes and give me a hug and say, I love you. And sometimes it's just as simple as that. And that's, that's how they feel being loved. I know I had a relationship. She said, if you could send me flowers, that would melt my heart. And that was the way she felt loved. She huh. wanted me to send her some flowers and take her to dinner just to make her feel special. Mm -hmm. And that was so easy to do. I could bring her a single rose home and she would just love me to death. Wow. Just something simple. And what I do is I'll go through for quite some time on what does it take for you to feel loved and let my clients write them down and then share that with their partner. Because that's a rule, a personal rule that they have, and they've never shared that with another person. 
So, it, right. and that really makes a difference when that other person doesn't know the rules of the other person. And we don't, we can't communicate it because we haven't figured it out for ourselves, right? You said it's like the muscle. It's like going to the gym. Oh, yes. Where, yeah. remember? I loved that scenario because you go to the gym in order to break down your muscle fibers in order for them to rebuild. Yeah. Once you find out in relationships what is working and how to build that muscle of love for your partner. Exactly. I mean, you know, we will go to the gym and, and work our bodies out to build the muscle. But emotionally, you can do the same thing. You can build the muscle once you find out all these things that you didn't know because you never really talked about them and communicated um, that will open up when you go through the rules of uh, the, the six human needs and you start discovering things like, gosh, I never knew that about you. I had no idea that's all it took. Right. You mean if I just gave you a hug every once in a while? That would make you feel love. I can do that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We don't. And, and I found out Melinda Jacobs, who will be on the podcast, she and I had a session and, and I don't want to give all that away, but she was saying to me, well, how'd that feel when your mom never came to your track meets or you had to go find your way to get to the things that were important to you? I'm like, oh, you know. That was just her. She didn't like that stuff. And I just scooted onto the next subject because I thought I was good with it. Turns out I wasn't so good with it. And that my point being is that we just, we oftentimes will just say, oh, well, that happened. It's no big deal. And you push it off to the side and don't think about it. Things that may have hurt you then, or you don't realize it's shaping how you proceed with what happened and how you dealt with it. And you do, you have to uncover, kind of peel the layers away and your own declaration and figure out why, why the things are the way they are. And once you can do that, and that's why you spend that hour, that first hour with people the first time, just trying to uncover. Yes, absolutely. Some of those, right? It, because we don't know what we don't exactly. know. And it takes time. It takes time. You know, we yeah. bury things so much and we stack negativity and not say anything to our partners. And it doesn't matter if it's friends, family, relationships, bosses. And then suddenly you wonder why, gosh, I just, I didn't say hardly anything to them and they blew up. Well, what they've done, they started yes. stacking all these negative things and all the things that a person had said. And it builds up inside of them. And then there's that one little trigger and then they just blow up. Wait, Bing, these things don't go away. Even if you think that that happened 30, 40, 50 years ago, it didn't actually leave. It's kind of in our yeah. DNA now. It's settled into our cells, which is where that whole epigenetics, is that what it right. is? Epigenetics, that things are coming through our genes and traumas and trauma is such a big word but it you know it's like autism there's a spectrum there's a spectrum of traumas i believe but it all is still there generationally right. and we need to let right. it go but you can't let it go if you aren't realizing it's there and that's why people like 
Yeah, once you recognize it, that's the first step is really talking about it, writing it down on paper, and then saying, what's the antidote? What about if I talked to you about it and then said, I'm sorry? If you told me that, if you say that thing, I didn't know that made you feel bad. Or if I called you stupid, oh, that was a stupid thing to say. The thing that you just did was, that was stupid. Well, you're calling me stupid and I don't like that. My parents used to call me stupid when I was a kid. And that little thing, you start stacking that and, you know, recognizing it and say, please don't say that anymore. And that gives the other person an opportunity to apologize because apologizing, it really does. It is healing because it's recognizing you as a person Mm -hmm. and that you have feelings and that you care, that you care enough for somebody to apologize So that's a very, very healing thing as well. Yeah. What are some breakthroughs that you've made with people that have been proving to you that this is your purpose? Oh, boy. I mean, it's the little things, really. It's the little things that sometimes I don't think are a big deal, but it's a big deal to other people. And when I'll have a, they'll call me the next week and we'll have a a discussion and we'll go through maybe the six human needs again. And they'll come back and say, God, you know, I told my husband about what we talked about. And he said, oh my God, really? I had no idea you felt that way. And that is, Hmm. for me, it makes what I do worthwhile. To see, to see people come together, and especially when there's children, when you see mom and dad being happy together and there's no tension and everybody eats at the table and they're not going off watching TV in their rooms or whatever, and suddenly the family starts cohesing, and when they see mom and dad hugging in the kitchen, that's amazing. That's amazing. It really is. And it's, not, it's never too late, right? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Like if your children already saw you go through all the BS of not communicating, everybody's running in the mad, the mad race of life and the kids are growing up in that, right? I would say my kids did for sure. And then, I mean, there was tension. I'm sure my kids would say, oh yeah, we heard you fighting sometimes. And you're like, oh, but I, I feel like you can make, not make up, but you can present a, I don't know. Can you present it? Can you make it better as time goes on? I feel like you can. Oh, absolutely. You can start having rules about it and say, hey, listen, I don't have time right now. I'm going to work. Can we have a conversation when I get back to work? Or I want to tell you something. When you give each other permission to talk about something that is negative or that you want to change, When you give each other permission to do that, say, listen, if there's something that's bothering you, please tell me about it. And even if we can't do it right now, let's do it when I get home. And then go get a glass of wine, sit down and talk it out. Yeah. And I mean, like 30 years later, right, with my kid now, I hope that through the work we've done, we can present a better you know, sort of Petri dish for our, our family. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And that's awesome is to be able to generate that positive image and the things that you want to do for them, for sure. Yeah, but we had to get to that point. You said life is not a straight line. That is true. Yeah, we often think that it should be. And that's where we get stuck when things aren't falling in place like we think they should. What do you say to that? Well, I always kind of look at nature. And when you look at nature, nothing grows in a straight line. I mean, you know, take a walk in the woods. You don't see unless it's a bamboo. But even with bamboo, there's parts of it that when you get on an airplane, you fly from from here to Los Angeles, that airplane is off course 95% of the time because it's always correct. It's true. So that airplane is always correcting. It's always fighting the wind. And and, and that's the great thing about getting a coach. And you're always going to have problems. You have to use your problems. I I think you said it when we first talked about using it as fuel, using problems as fuel, using it in, in a positive way. You know, and so that it... perception, right? We talked about perception. Exactly. Yes. How you perceive it. If you think of it as a problem or you can think of it, what can I find about this that's a gift to me? Whatever that problem is, what do I have to do to overcome this, what I, I call a problem? Maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's something that I need to change in myself. Or maybe it's time to get rid of this job, to do what I really want to do. Maybe you get fired and you go, holy crap, now what am I going to do? Well, maybe I'll do something that I really wanted to do, that I've always wanted to do, and do it. You know, maybe this is the break I needed to do what I really wanted to do, to be that photographer, to be that artist, to be that woodworker, or a coach, or you know, yeah. what you want to do. I mean, you run across, this is your whole platform is the second wind and having the courage to dive into something unique and different and something that where your passion is, where is your passion? Where do you hold that? And I think that's wonderful that you're having conversations with people about their second wind. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's my second wind. Yeah. It's actually very selfishly all about me. It's very interesting to me, John. It's like there are people that go and do and see it through and do the work. There's people who don't. There's people who wish they would. What is it about you, do you think, that's always allowed you to take that leap? Like you started a whole camera business, renewal business, just because you saw a need. Like, You've done these amazing things throughout your life. Oh, I'm just going to go to do this this film and let's just see what happens, this production. And you've always been open. Is that why? Like what has led you to keep doing the things that you do that have led you to this very pivotal, important, gosh, service that you're doing now? Yeah, I think for some reason growing up, I, I really liked to explore. When I was in the film industry, it, it was exciting. I, had, I took two years to build this camera car 
and Hurricane Andrew came around and I was powering my house with the uh, generator, had a hundred amp generator. It took two years to build this camera car and it caught on fire and it burnt to the ground. And I went, oh my God. You were, ready out. you were getting money from that thing. Absolutely. It, it was one of the uh, only four wheel drive camera cars and we used it, you know, on Miami Vice. We used it in movies, commercial, and you could put it put cars on it. it. You could pull it and put full camera crews on it. It was my magic carpet. It was so much fun. And it overnight, I mean, in an hour, it was burnt to the ground. And you have to get through the pain of it. And I just, I had to shift my thinking. I had to get away from, you know, oh, poor me. My business just burnt down. And, you know, people are going through this in, in, um, Mississippi with the tornadoes. And you'll notice that, you know, it's the appreciation of just being alive and their families are alive. And you see that, you know, we can rebuild, we can, we can do something different. And I think having the gratitude that it was just a car, it was something. And for a lot of people, it, it can provide another second wind, which it did for me. Because I was into equipment and rentals, renting equipment. And I, I started thinking, I said, what else could I provide? Where is there a need? Try to find the need. And I got on an airplane and I said, I know everything that's in the United States that people are using and the companies that provide, but I want to find something different. And I, I went to Germany and I found a company that had these camera cranes that were not represented in the United States. And I ended up getting the United States distributorship and created a whole nother business because of the tragedy that happened. So it turned out to be a great gift. Yeah. It was a wonderful gift, but you have to open yourself up. You can't be mad and angry and sad in that state. You have to open yourself up and say, wait a second, if you look at it, what can I find in this that is beneficial? And you go, well, my business just burnt down. But if you really looked at it and if you really took the time and said, where's the good in this? How is this going to help me? Yeah. How is it a gift? And if you start with that attitude, how is it a gift? What else could I do? Yeah. You know? And I started thinking, well, it was insured. <laughs> I got some money from it. We could never come close to the time and effort and the blood, sweat, and tears that went into it, for sure. It really couldn't. But it was a start. And I actually was able to make a deal with um, the, uh, the company, and they financed my first crane. I got the United States distributorship. And in 24 months, I sold about $3 million worth of cranes. Of course, I didn't get that $3 million. I had to take my commission, but it was a decent commission. But yeah, there's a gift in everything if you just look for it, if you have that attitude. And use that mental exercise to say, if anything bad happens, where can I find the gift in this? Yeah, it's hard to do, for sure. It really is. It really, it, it is hard, but it's possible. 
It is possible. We just have to be open to it. And just hearing the information, I think that's part of it. Like hearing this information that you're sharing today, if somebody's in the thick of it, whatever that is, they can say, oh, I need to look at it like this. It's just sometimes that awareness that we don't have. And that's what I'm trying to bring to people is all this stuff that that could permeate and be important and make sense to them in their situation. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So important. So important. What are some things that you do, John, to keep yourself going? Because, I mean, you don't have to do this business right now, but you want to do this business right now. So what keeps you going? I think just the people. I really enjoy people. I've always enjoyed people and sharing because I had to go through a lot of personal fears and and this and that. And I got stronger. And the ability to share my knowledge and help people, that's the gift I receive. I love it. It expands in the community, you know, in, in relationships. Yeah, there is a ripple effect for sure. Absolutely. Do you have a yeah. mantra or anything? Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, your mind, it deletes, distorts, and generalizes all information. Deletes, distorts, and generalizes. Okay. That's what the brain does as your brain. It takes in information. It will delete a lot of things. It will distort a lot of things and it will generalize information. It's just what it does, what the brain does. And so I I also say to myself, just stand guard at the gateway to your mind. Stand guard because your mind will mess with you and you will perceive things that aren't true. You will. You will perceive things that are BS, a belief system. And the other color the bs byron katie does that if anybody's heard of her she's one of the things you're supposed to ask yourself is it true is it true yeah is it true yeah and i caught myself doing that the other day i'm like when i was asked will the dead bother you that your mother didn't show up and i'm like or is it true that she couldn't show up and i said oh i don't know yeah I don't know. It might not be true. It's so interesting that the truth. Yeah. And the range of emotions, you know, for me, one of them is frustration. You can change your emotions like that. It's true. By choosing to change instead of saying, God, I'm so frustrated. And it's usually little things like I can't get on the internet or I can't do this or I can't. and, and, And it starts to rise. I can feel it coming up in me and I go, Okay, walk outside, put your son in the face, come back, and what can you learn from this? Yeah. What can I learn from this? That's what Dr. Rob Kelly said on it. He was this mad alcoholic, mad, like on the streets, mad, lost everything. And he said that the shop owner handed him the bottle of vodka. He was sweating. It was This whole thing was happening. Handed to him at five in the morning. He touched the bottle. And all of a sudden he was better before he had the drink, which is proves to you, your mind holds it all. Yep. Yep. Stand guard at the gateway to your mind. I love that. I love that. So what's next for you? 
So share again how people find you, what they should expect, how this works, all the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I have a, a website. It's still in progress. And I'm, you can load up the six human needs or download them. Yeah. I've loaded them up at Coach John Doc Training. And I work with people in business. I work with couples, just anybody that, that wants to take their life to, an, to the next level. Yeah. And you can go there, call me. My my phone number's on there. Love to have a chat with you. I'll give you an hour and then you can go down the six human needs and we'll go through that and see exactly where you want to go. Right. Is that first hour free? I feel like it's you... free. So what do you have to lose, people? Plus, he's a, <laughs> really, he's a really cool person to talk to. We're going to have a great conversation. We'll probably laugh a little bit yeah. cry, and figure things out. And going through the six human needs is, I like doing that because it, first of all, it, it's a way that we get to know each other. And then we can, it opens the door when we start talking about certainty and uncertainty and, and those things. And it, it's a great starting place. And I'll, I'll take all my notes. And we would love to find out what you want, what you really want, and what's getting in the way, what's getting you stuck, and we'll eliminate those things very quickly and get you up and moving in the right direction. So, yeah, yeah. look forward. Give me, a, give me a shout. What you what you want. That's what came through my mind. <laughs> and also, when you are speaking with John, have a pen and piece of paper handy. He throws out these one liners these zingers that make you you drop them all the time i have so many in my notes and get to them all the time but be a guardian of your own mind that's one boom it's good stuff and if you can just keep these one-liners going you're 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 definitely headed in the right direction well i i want to thank you as well for inviting me and thank you so much. And I think what you're doing is terrific. Thank and you. I think the second win. And it actually, it kind of, it took me back in my past because, you know, I'm trying to be present all the time. But then you start going, yeah, how did I do that? You know? <laughs> yeah, so, these life lessons bring us to where we are. All the flagstones that brought us to where we are and how we chose one path versus the other and we choose it and that's what's important and we can choose how we continue on in this in this this gift we have of experience and years under our belt and it's a gift to be able to do something with it to serve others which is exactly what you're doing yes absolutely i i i really like the ability to help and serve others and that's that's a wonderful thing so thank you Thank you, John. And until next time, breathe in your second wind. Thank you for listening today. I hope that something you heard made you smile, made you think, and made you feel. If these incredible stories empowered you, awakened you, or left you feeling inspired, make sure to share with a friend and write us a review on iTunes so we can continue to change lives through this content. Make sure you tag us while you're listening on our Facebook group, My Second Wind, or hit the link in the show notes to join the conversation. Until next time, go ahead and breathe in your second wind.